Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And now, here's this week's message. Amen. Heaven practice. That's what Sunday should be. Heaven practice. And uh, praise the Lord. Thank you, church family. It's so good to see you today. Uh, I, I want to start by saying thank you to you uh, for being who you are individually and corporately as a church family. Um, you are a blessing beyond, uh, beyond words, uh, and I'm grateful for you. I want you to know that. Thankful for you, every person. Uh, I'm thankful for my friends, uh, Bethany and Will Crosby, to be here uh, a couple weeks ago and again this morning, and thankful for uh, our friend Tammy Trent to be here. Um, I've said this to some of you, but I don't think I've said it uh, from the pulpit. Uh, thank you. Uh, I have continued to get texts from... Her and Anita, uh, kind of her road manager friend, best friend, uh, about the warm reception she got from our church. Uh, I've said this to you before, and uh, as I visited here probably a year or so before I became a part of this church family, uh, that was one of the things that drew me to this place. Uh, It's genuine, it's real, it's not put on, it's not because the pastor said greet the person around you. You genuinely love people. And I love you for that. Because the love of God is what draws people. So thank you uh, for all that you have been doing over the last several weeks. I recognize that our church is in a time of transition in many ways. uh, From staff to major construction out here. And uh, you are staying the course. And so I just want to encourage you today and say uh, thank you so much. Some of our ladies are on their way back or soon will be. Uh, from Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. So if you're looking around and you're missing some folks, that's where a good bit of our ladies, I think 14 or so of our ladies, were at a conference this weekend in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And uh, I I have some photos of some of them that I will be sharing at a later date uh, for maybe blackmail purposes. Uh, Because there were several thousand people in Pigeon Forge at this conference. And uh, Charles Billingsley, some of you may know that name, was one of the worship leaders that was there uh, last night. Uh, some of the ladies were texting me photos that they were getting to hang out with Toby Mack, and I was like, you know, shame on you for making me jealous of that. Don't don't send me any more of those pictures. But it was a great event, and I'm looking forward to hearing uh, from them. What a great way to start our service today as we dedicated children to the Lord. Uh, I hope that the message that I have for you uh, will encourage you today. So if you've got your Bible and you want to open up to Revelation chapter 5, at some point, uh, Lord willing, and as they say in Roebuck, in the creek don't rise, uh, we will one day perhaps as a church family, some of you have asked me about this walk through the book of Revelation. There is so much there. I know we have uh, walked through some other New Testament books Revelation is perhaps the most difficult one to teach or to preach through, and eventually we we will do that, I promise you. But as I have thought about what is going on uh, in our world, uh, I wanted to encourage you with some things, hopefully this 
uh, this morning, uh, Revelation chapter 5. Before we look at it, just uh, for sake of reminder, um, our world, I don't have to tell you this, our world is mentally all over the map, uh, thinking about different things. Even in church culture, we're thinking about different things. One of the things that I love about Crossroads is we try to be uh, kingdom-minded. And there are a lot of things that we could seek in life and seek after in life, but I'm reminded that Jesus said, Matthew chapter 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So we have to be kingdom-minded. We have to be focused on uh, those outside these walls that aren't quite here yet. And to do that, we have to be disciple-makers. You'll know it's at the top of your handout. We purposely put it there every week. Our mission statement, Making Disciples who serve, shelter, and support the transforming work of Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. It, our local church, Crossroads, our local body of believers, is like a car on uh, a train car on a set of railroad tracks. The train tracks show the way. God is leading us through His Holy Spirit. He's showing us the way. That's our direction. That's our mission. It's how we're to function. The engine in the front train should be Jesus. And the fuel that funds the engine is the gospel. So if you get that mental picture of us as a church, we're one of the many Bible-believing churches that put that train together that are moving in the direction of hopefully bringing about the kingdom of God. That's what God has called us to do. There are a lot of other things we can be doing, but primarily that's what God has called us to do as a church. That's our purpose. That is our vision. As I was thinking about this scripture this morning, Uh, I was reminded that our vision to make disciples is primarily, because this is where we live, in the upstate of South Carolina, Greer, Greenville, Simpsonville, Fountain Inn, boom, 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 just keep making the circle bigger, the state of South Carolina, but eventually, the world. And if our mindset of making disciples does not include reaching the world with the gospel, our vision of discipleship is short-sighted. Yes, we want to reach people here because this is where we live. Most of us, this is where we're employed, where we go to school. But our vision for discipleship should, should extend beyond that to the whole globe. And I was looking at some statistics this morning that I just thought I'd share with you to ho- help us get mentally in mind and set with where we want to look at today. The northern part of Yemen. Anybody know where Yemen is? Yeah, me either. Got to look on the map. It's out there. I'm not talking about Yemen, Alabama. Yemen out in the Middle East, Yemen is, uh, has a population in the northern part of 8 million people. That's twice the size of the population of the entire state of Kentucky. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you know how many believers are in that 8 million? Statistics say church planners... Southern Baptist Convention, other church partners, other denominations would say in all their reports, if you combine them, somewhere around in 8 million people, somewhere around 40 to 50 out of 8 million people. There are more believers in some of your Sunday school classes, and small group classes, than there are in the entire northern part of Yemen. Let that sink in. There are over 2 billion people in the world today who classify themselves as unreached, which simply means they have never maybe either heard the gospel, they would say they're not saved, 
or the, the gospel is not even accessible to them. They've never heard the word Jesus. I know that, believe it or not, there are even people in the state of South Carolina that have never heard the word Jesus other than maybe in profanity. They don't really know who Jesus is. I, I know for some of us, this pastor guy included, who grew up in church, that is hard to wrap our mind around, but I just want to encourage you. There are people in Greer, Fountain Inn, Simpsonville, South Carolina, who have never really authentically heard about the genuine Jesus. Within a stone's throw of this church, there are those people. The world is radically changing. I don't have to tell you that. And so what should drive us to fulfill the mission that God has called us to, the only thing that will drive us to fulfill it and and keep us going so that we don't grow weary because we will get weary. Paul told us we will get weary in well-doing, but don't give up for in due time you will reap a harvest. The only thing that will keep us from getting weary is remembering the sovereignty of God Almighty. He's in charge. He's in charge. So how do, you, how do you picture this God of the universe? I want to read something to you before we look at the scripture. A.W. Tozer said, said this, God is almighty just because he is almighty. He does not need any human support to be almighty. He is almighty just because he is almighty. This picture we have sometimes in North American culture, this is what A.W. Tozer says, of a nervous, ingratiating God Fawning over men to win their favor is not a realistic picture of the God of the Bible. 20th century Christianity has put God on charity. So lofty is our opinion of ourselves that we find it quite easy, maybe even enjoyable, to believe that we are necessary to God. Probably the hardest thought of all, he says, for natural egotism to entertain is God does not need our help. We commonly talk about God as a busy, eager, somewhat frustrated father, hurrying about seeking help to carry out his benevolent benevolent mission on earth. Too many missionary appeals are based upon the fancied frustration of an almighty God. He says this, last thing he says, I fear that thousands of young people entering into Christian service Go for no higher motive other than to help deliver God from an embarrassing situation his love has gotten him into and his limited abilities seem unable to get him out of. I want to encourage you, that is not the God that we serve. He is almighty. He is all-knowing. He is omnipresent, which means he can be everywhere at one time. He is omniscient. He is amazing. He is all-powerful. He is incredible. And we get to sing about that. And one day we'll sing about that for a long, 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 long time. Eternity. That's what we'll be doing in eternity. People ask me all the time, Pastor, what are we going to be doing in heaven? Well, we'll be hanging out with Jesus, I imagine. We'll be hearing stories from Joseph and David and Noah, and they'll be telling us all about stuff. I imagine that'll happen. But the biggest thing we'll be doing, if you read the Bible and you read on in Revelation, we will be gathered around the throne singing praises. I know some of us don't like to sing. You can chant, maybe. You'll be singing praises to God Almighty. So let's look at what... The writer John says in Revelation chapter 5, let's read it together, verse 1. I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book 
written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? We sung a song a few weeks ago. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Some of you know. You know the song. Verse 3, And no one in heaven or on the earth, or under the earth, was able to open the book or to look into it. And I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping! Behold, the lion that is from inside, from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. So I want to encourage you today with just three thoughts. Here's the first one. God is in absolute control. He did not take planet Earth, populate it with Adam and Eve, and throw it into the cosmos and say, have a happy life. If you believe that, you don't believe the Bible because that's not the God of the Bible. God is in absolute control. He holds everything in His hand. He is the one who sits on the throne. He is the one who is in charge. And this scripture says, John is seeing here in this vision, this angel who is, the scroll who is being rolled out. And I know sometimes when we think about scrolls, we think scrolls were open this way, but actually ancient scrolls were open this way. And so as they opened the scroll, they would read it. And as they read left to right, they would they would roll it up a little bit over, roll out a little bit more, and they would roll out a little bit more. And there were little short columns of things that were on the scroll. Now, we don't know. There's been all kind of biblical scholars who have guessed what was on this scroll, what words were on the scroll. But it's a symbol that everything that has been done, will be done, will ever be done, that was created, everything that ever happens is on that scroll symbolically, and God is the one who contains it and who has it in his possession, who owns it, who knows All things because God is in absolute control. Whatever's going on in your life that you may be going, what happened? God, why why did this happen to me? Why has this sickness happened to me? Why did this death happen to me? Why did that happen to me? What is this going on? I just want to encourage you. God is in absolute control. Now, you may go, well, then I want to know why that happened. Well, so do I about many things in my life. And one day I may know the answer to those things. But ultimately, I have to, if my faith means anything, I have to rest in the sovereignty of understanding and believing God knows everything and He is in control of everything. And it's interesting, sometimes we find things in our humanity because we're finite people. We find out things years and years later and we look back and we go, oh, okay, now this makes sense. God is not only here in this moment right now, but he's in history. God is in the future. He already knows one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. God has the incredible ability to see the beginning, the end, and the middle. You and I only see in our mindset, history, in the moment that we're in right now. We don't know the future. I'm sure most of us could walk up here on this platform or grab a microphone and say, wow, something happened to me 5, 10, 20 years ago. This happened. I didn't have a clue. I was so frustrated. I was so mad at God. I didn't know what. 
And then I realized. Some of us could say that. Some of us could come up and say, I'm waiting for the realization. That's okay. God's in absolute control. And here's the other thing that is true. Just in case you think I have my head in the ground, I don't. The other thing that's very true is man is out of control. And we see that. John sees us in his vision because he looks as the scroll is open and this strong angel steps up and says with a loud voice, Who is here worthy to break open the seals of the scroll? And what you may or may not know, but the scrolls in ancient times were rolled up and they were sealed. And this particular scroll that he has a vision of has seven seals on it. There's like seven strings is what they would use uh, in ancient times. And they would seal the end of the string with a piece of wax. And they would tie the string around it. And they would pinch the wax on there. Which simply meant this has been sealed. It has not been opened. You would know it. That's the way they did wills back in ancient days. And the reason they had seven is because in most times they would have seven witnesses. So, for example, if you want to kind of play that out in modern times, if anyone has a will, and when you pass away, your family gets together around there, and you know some of these stories, you've had them, I've had them happen in my family, where there's all kinds of arguments. Well, she said when she was alive, I was getting the, the crock pot, and now you're giving it to my sister, you know, and all this argument starts. Part of the way they had validity to know that the will was legitimate was the will was sealed with seven seals. And man here can't open. John in his vision sees us. Man can't open. He says there's nobody in the heavens. There's no one on the earth. There's no one under the earth who is able to open the book or to look into it. And he is so grieved by this he starts to weep. Because man is out of control. The state of man... Dear friends, the state of man before God, apart from Christ, is utterly hopeless. If you and I are not convinced about that, then our heart for missions is going to be about that big. If we're not truly convinced that man, apart from God through Jesus Christ, is utterly hopeless, then our Christianity is going to be lackadaisical with no activity, with no mission focus, with no heart, with no passion. Because we'll just, well, it all works out in the end. I hear Christians who say that. Really? It all works out in the end. God just says, you know, all that was just a joke. I killed my son for nothing. Everybody come on into heaven. Is that really what you believe? You need to read that book again. I believe that man is out of control and man is utterly helpless and hopeless apart from God. I have some of my friends who say, well, and you can pray for these friends, by the way, because I'm working on them. I have some of them say, well, I got a 50-50 shot at going to heaven. 50-50. Why don't you go to Harris Casino in Cherokee, North Carolina, and you, God's just like rolling the dice and, oh, today you're in. Let's try you. How about you step up? Oh, you're going to hell. You think God is that kind? That's the way God operates? You can know that you know that you know that you know you're going to spend eternity with the Lord. We're going to talk about that in a second. But man is utterly out of control. That's why, church family, I hope that you will pray for these families who have little ones up here. They need it. 
And we need to practice and we need to support them. We need the practice of prayer. We need the involvement in their lives. If you think it's going to get better, I told you I was going to encourage you, I am, but this will sound like a discouragement. If you think the world is going to get better and we're all going to stand around the campfire and sing Kumbaya and everybody's going to love Jesus, you're living in a fairy tale. Not going to happen. Finish reading the book of Revelation. This is a sign of the end times. If anything, it's going to ramp up and it's going to get more profound. And those of us who really don't believe in the sovereignty of God and who are not all in are going to slowly start fading out of the church. Some have already done that. And you're not going to see them around and you're going to wonder. And the wonder is, I'll go ahead and tell you, you don't have to wonder anymore. The wonder is because when you commit to the sovereignty and the truth of Jesus Christ, it rattles cages. People get uncomfortable and they're going to get more uncomfortable. I think about what some of these young people are facing, these kids up here and our young people, our teenagers, our college students are facing. Where words are being redefined every day and everything's acceptable. I'm not going to get vulgar and grotesque, but I could. And if you're an adult, you probably, if you don't have your head in the sand, you know some things I could tell you that are happening in our culture. And they're slowly seeping in to the church. Well, well, that's all right. That's just the way God made them. And don't get me wrong. We need to ask God to give us the ability to supernaturally, through His Holy Spirit, love those people because I have some of those people in my family and it hurts. And Jesus knew that. If you remember, one of the things he told his disciple is he was going to come with the sword and he was going to wind up splitting families. It wasn't because he wanted to intentionally break up families. He just knew the truth of his word and what he was saying was going to split families because some people were going to say this is true and some people were going to say that is true. And it hurts. It hurts when you look at a family member and you try to tell them the truth in love and they look at you and basically say, Take a southern journey. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. Man's out of control. George Whitfield, the great evangelist, used to speak with tears in his eyes. And here's what he would say. This is a quote from him. The torment of burning like livid coal, not for an instant or for a day, but for millions and millions of ages at the end of which souls will realize they are no closer to the end than the day they first begun. They will never, ever be delivered from that place. If you and I could be truly convinced that that's what happens to people who reject the salvation of Jesus Christ, this room would be packed to overflowing because we would be telling every nephew, niece, cousin, aunt, uncle, parent, grandparent, child, co-worker, schoolmate, every about the truth of Jesus trying to fill this room to hear the gospel and I'm preaching to myself this morning because there's family members that I'm like "Ah, really God you really want me to share the gospel with them really they're going to say no how crazy of me maybe they'll say yes maybe God's doing a work in their life behind the scenes and I need to be bolder Man's out of control. What in the world, what do you do when man is out of control? What do you do? Good news. God has a plan. And here's what he said to John in his, as he sees this vision and John begins to weep because he's looking for somebody worthy and he sees no one. One of the elders, verse 5, steps forward and says, hang on. 
Stop your weeping. There's no need to weep because there is one that is worthy. There is one that is righteous. There is one who is the lamb slain for the world, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Hang on. And he says, behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book in its seven seals, the Messiah. He uses a couple of phrases there to describe Jesus that are interesting. The first one, he talks about being the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, if you're a fan of Lion King, you'll know that the lion is one of the most strongest, perhaps the strongest Animal, the strongest beast in the kingdom was the lion. So for that analogy, for him to say he is the lion of the tribe of Judah is pretty significant. The root of David, Isaiah described the root of David this way in Isaiah chapter 11. He says, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, a branch from its roots shall bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him and he will stand as a signal for the people. The root of David, the offspring of David, the lineage of David. Where, O oh death, is your victory? We sung that this morning. Where is your sting? The sting of death and sin and, and the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God Almighty who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's interesting that he begins to describe, this elder begins to describe to John, Hey, the lion, the lion, the root of David, the lion of the tribe of Judah, but when when John looks over, verse 6 says he looks over and he looks at the throne. He doesn't see a lion. What does he see? A lamb. Standing. Verse 6 says, as if slain, having the seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent to all the earth. What is he saying? He's saying, I've seen the lamb of the world. John says it this way in John 1, 29. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Is what John the Baptist said when Jesus came on and said, Look, there is, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The payment for our sin. We've sung about that this morning. The blood of Christ. Have you thought about your sin recently? I've thought about mine. And we can get so overcome in thinking about our sin, which we need to. At church, we think our sin is preventing us from being redeemable. I have good news for you. Jesus paid for your sin. He paid for your sin. You can't pay for your sin because you're not worthy. But He is worthy. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fret. The encouragement for you and me today is every sin you have committed, past, present, even today, and dare I say it, most of us, I will, will probably commit sin this afternoon and this week. I'm trying not to. But in the coming days till I die, every one of those sins has already been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't run high enough, jump high enough, run fast enough. You can't do anything to be worthy. There's only one that's worthy. So you have to rest in that. Rest in the lamb that was slain to the world. And if you can rest in that, that also gives you passion and energy because you want to go tell other people about that. We have so, church, we have so overcomplicated the gospel, it is just maddening. 
People have all this concept. Well, if I do, if I come to Jesus, I got to do this and do this and do this. Good news. This is going to freak some of you out. You don't have to do anything to come to Jesus except come to Jesus. We sing a hymn, just as I am without one. You come. Now, for some of you freak out, once you come to Jesus, if you really do, and the Holy Spirit gets inside of you, the Holy Spirit will change you. Because Jesus wants to make you more of a reflection of Him than a reflection of you. And there's a world of people that need to know it. As a matter of fact, the last stat I saw this past week, there are 6,000 people groups on the face of the planet that have never heard the name of Jesus. And if you wonder why sometimes when we come into worship and we have all this and great chairs and great temperature and screens and worship team and all that, why sometimes I get a little angst, it's because I know there are other people on the planet that don't have all this at their disposal who have never heard the name Jesus. And if we're going to truly make disciples, which is a part of our mission, it is our mission, then a part of that has to include making disciples of all nations. So I just want to challenge you. You may say, Pastor Jack, are you trying to guilt me into sharing my faith? If that's what it takes. Why is it so difficult for us? Why is it so difficult for me? The vast majority of believers have not ever shared their faith with somebody else. You don't have to do it the way I do. You have a different personality. God wired you differently. It could be having a cup of coffee with a friend who's struggling, and they just look at you and go, how in the world are you so together? How are you making it? You just go, it's my faith in Jesus. And see what happens. See how the door opens. What drives me, and I hope what drives you, to reach people for Jesus, it's not not feeling guilty if we don't share our faith. It's to recognize The glory of God Almighty that one day we will stand in His presence. And we will be singing, worthy, 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 holy, 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 because there is only one that is worthy. So how can I wrap up this morning? There is a big difference, we talked about a few weeks ago, between being a church member and a disciple. And one of the ways we can continue to grow in our health Spiritual health as a church is to grow in our understanding. I need to grow in my understanding of what being a disciple is. What should we do? What should be our response to what John saw here in his vision? The first thing is we should pray. We should pray. I have some of you that have challenged me with that. Please continue to do that. We need to pray together. We need to pray corporately. We need to pray in our services together. We need to pray in our small groups. We need to pray individually. We need to pray. Prayer moves the heart of God. And prayer actually changes our heart because as we pray, God tunes our heart more in tune with His heart. And we start to even pray better because then we start to pray the way God would have us pray. The second thing we can do is we can give. We can give. Giving is a reflection of our heart. And Jesus said it this way, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We're going to take up an offering in just a minute. I just want to prepare you. It's our fifth Sunday. And if you put your building fund stuff in the first offering, that's okay. We'll figure it out. But in just a minute, we're going to have our fifth Sunday offering for our building fund. 
I give to that, you give to that, we give to that, so that more and more people can come to know Jesus. It's not about brick and mortar. I know physically that's what we see with our eyes, but it's about sharing the gospel with people. I saw the statistic recently, I hope our church is different, and our wonderful stewardship team and finance team will be working uh, in the future as they have been in the past to continue to help us pinch every penny so that as much can go to the ministry as possible. But for every $100 in a Christian in North America makes, do you know how much goes to reach unreached people? Every, out of every $100, five cents. And we wonder why there's still people who've never heard the name of Jesus. It's because maybe we spend too much money on babysitting us and sharing Jesus with somebody who's never heard Jesus. Say, Pastor, you say we don't need programs in our church. That's not at all what I'm saying. Don't miss what I'm saying. I'm saying there's a balance. I'm saying there's a focus. I'm saying there should be an intent on what we want to do because we have limited people and we have limited resources. God has unlimited resources but if we steward those to sharing the gospel with people that's ultimately what he called us to do so i want to encourage you this morning in just a little bit part of our invitation will be that opportunity to give towards helping crossroads do that right here in our area the last thing i'd say is this we could go when you hear what john is saying and in his vision that he sees there we can pray we can give we can go and we can go a number of different ways. We can go physically. And that means going down the street a few miles. Yes. It means getting on a plane and going a few thousand miles. Yes. It means go. Go, go, go. In the Greek, the word go means go. Not stay, but go. Move. And I'm thankful for so many, some of you are here today, that have come and you're visiting this church. And I would encourage you, plant your roots here. We need you. We're, we're ready to get on with the mission of God and reach people. And we need you to help us do that. But not only just coming, but going into the nations and sharing the gospel. And we're going to have an incredible opportunity, I'll tell you about at the end of our service today, to go by simply supporting someone else in this community who is going. And we're going to celebrate with that person in just a little bit. Where are you today, church family? Are you tuned into the heart of God, the sovereignty of God? God's in control. It's easy to turn on the news, turn off the news, turn off the news, turn off the news. It's easy to see the media and just think, the world is going south in a handbasket. My grandfather used to say that all the time. The world is going. And it looks that way, and a large portion of it is but God is still in control, and Jesus came to redeem mankind, and salvation through God is still available. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for encouraging our hearts through your word. Lord, thank you for encouraging my heart this week. Because it's so easy to look at all the chaos in our world, and sometimes, wow, we just want to throw up our hands and go, is it worth it? Yes, it's worth it. Knowing Jesus is worth it. Salvation is worth it. 
Not having to try to earn God's favor is worth it. We already have that because we know you. Would you remind us of that so that we share that with people who are struggling and striving? Church, I just want to be quiet and give you a few moments to pray. Maybe this morning you've come to the realization that without Jesus you're unworthy. Maybe you need his righteousness today and you just say, Pastor Jack, I need to receive the free gift of God. If that's you, then in just a moment, Will's going to lead us in a closing song. I just ask you just to slip out from where you are, come grab my hand or our student pastor, teaching pastor, my friend Heath will be here to pray with you and encourage you. you may just say, you know what, I just want to know that I know that I know Jesus. And for a lot of us, maybe this morning, God has impressed on our heart, wow, there's, there's somebody in my family, immediate family, extended family, relative, co-worker, needs to know the truth of the gospel. There is one who's worthy, and his name is Jesus. Maybe you've been convicted this morning that God wants you to take that seriously. Church, you know by now these steps up here are an altar and I'm happy to pray with you, but you feel free to grab a friend or a spouse or a parent or a child and just go to the front and feel free to kneel and pray. The Lord will meet with you. Father, I pray you'd have your way during this service today. Praise the name of the Lord our God. We praise you. Would you move in our hearts this morning? Remind us that we need you and there's a world outside these doors that desperately needs Jesus. Two billion people, many of which seem to be moving to Greenville, South Carolina. Give us the eyes of Christ. Help us to share your truth and the gospel with them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In just a minute, we're going to stand and we're going to sing that closing song. Maybe you've been visiting Crossroads for some time. We'd love to welcome you this morning. If you'd say, you know, I don't want to put my roots down here at this church. I want to help this community of family grow. I want this community to help me grow. That would be great. My friend Heath will be here and I'll be here as uh, we sing this morning. As Will and Bethany lead us, would you stand? Let's sing this song of invitation together. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. 
In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.